Welcome to the Cozy Cozy Podcast. We're here to create comfort along the entrepreneurial journey and really the life journey. Join us for inspiring, dynamic conversations that make the arduous process of venturing out into the unknown feel more doable because we believe in making the impossible possible. We hope you'll join us as we play in the infinite. So pull up a seat, grab a blanket, let's get cozy. Welcome back to the Cozy Cozy Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Wood, and really excited to share with you The Matrescence. The Matrescence is a company that I was connected to through my holistic hormone health practitioner, longtime friend, and former client, Olivia Wagner. And they are just an incredible duo. Lauren and Megan created uh, Matrescence um, because they needed it when they were moms. It was born out of a desire to provide more maternal support after they had both faced bouts of debilitating anxiety, feelings of loneliness, and in an attempt to seek validation and connection. They are both moms. Lauren is a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner um, and a boy mom. And Megan is a marketing guru and mom of three under six. And they're on a mission to change the landscape of maternal mental health and to identify its role and importance to overall wellness. The Matrescence is a maternal mental health community providing space to learn, heal, and grow. And they hope to see you inside the community. And for me, one of the things I'm really present to as I sit in this space between being a first-time mom and hoping to be a second-time mom is that how we culturally prepare for a new baby when you're a first-time mom is, you know, there's a lot of learning around your body, right? And I don't, I think that's great. I think that there is a lot of, there's a lot of great resources and apps on how big is the baby and what are normal pregnancy symptoms because it is wild when you see your body just changing right before your eyes and understanding what weird symptoms you're experiencing mean and all of that is super important. But outside of that, there's really a lot of talk about baby, right? What baby gadget? Do you have the snoo? Are you going to do passies? What type of bottles? What type of nipples? And obviously all of that can be overwhelming. Uh, and personally, I'm like, think back to, you know, thousands of years ago, they didn't have all of these gadgets. It was just about how was the mama supported and how able was she to take care of her baby, right? Based on the support she has. And so what conversations I'm having with my friends who are either already mamas to multiples or they are about to be a second time mom is just how they're preparing differently. And if you guys have been listening to season five of this podcast, you know that we spent a lot of time talking about postpartum support through uh, Little Honey Money, which is a Um, basically a place to register for your own postpartum support. It's a cash fund platform where you can create, just like you would register for a cash fund for your honeymoon, for your wedding, um, this is where you register for a postpartum massage or a lactation consultant support. Um, We've talked to Milky Oat, which is a postpartum meal delivery service out of San Francisco. We've done a lot of... um, We've had a lot of discussion around how do we really source the mama? How do we really uh, prepare 
the mama and the mama's community, be that her immediate family, her friends, her um, hired help to be the right amount of support because it's hard to really know until you go through it. And the best we can do is have these discussions that hopefully reach first time moms because I didn't know I was going to have postpartum anxiety. I didn't even realize I was having postpartum anxiety until I was like three months into having postpartum anxiety. So I hope today's conversation, first and foremost, guides you to an incredible space to connect with other mamas and to get maternal mental health support. The the Matrescence has a free guide to preparing for your six-week checkup because to be honest, the doctors don't always do the best job when you go to that six weeks out postpartum follow-up appointment. So the link is in the show notes for you guys to check that out. Um, They have an incredible blog. Their Instagram is popping off all the time. They have so many great resources and They also um, have an app that is going to be even updated soon, which is super excited. So you can join their community quite easily. All of the the links are in the show notes. So very excited for you guys to hear from Lauren and Megan, get a feel for who they are, how they are uh, as co-founders, as mamas, as, you know, wealths of knowledge and so grateful that they were open to coming on. And as always, I want to give you guys just a quick update on Cozy Cozy because we are still on the train of launching products of perinatal products by August. So uh, we will be having our first ever landing site drop this week. So stay tuned on my Instagram stories. You can find all of the ways to contact me in the show notes as well. Cozy Cozy com will be live this week and I could not be more excited. Um, it is not our full blown website. It's a teaser, but it will be live and could not be more excited just to show you some of our beautiful images that we've captured at our first brand shoot. So uh, we're also looking for mamas who want to test out our nipple bomb for us and provide feedback. So if you are someone who has breastfed before or you're almost due, we'll be sending uh, nip glosses out to Uh, micro influencers in June. So let me know. You can email me. My contact is in the show notes. So thank you all so much for being here. I'm really grateful uh, for your support. I hope this episode finds you right when you need it. And without further ado, I introduce Lauren and Megan. All right, Lauren and Megan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. We're so excited to talk to you. Excited that this is finally happening. Uh, <laughs> lots of lot, long time coming, and um, we're going to go into so many topics today. But before we do, I want to know who each of you are as humans before any titles you wear or um, things that I don't know someone could look up on about you on the internet. Um, I am Lauren Hayes, and I am a mama of three young men. Um, really passionate about health and wellness and supporting mamas in ways that I wish that I would have been supported from the get-go. So really kind of going down this path of figuring out how to serve moms. Hi, everyone. I'm Megan, and I am a recovering perfectionist that um, thankfully motherhood has uh, made me realize that that's not possible or anything to strive for. So I'm a mama of three 
little ones all packed in there together. Um, our tribe's pretty nuts and we love to be outside. We love all things um, health and wellness and supporting mama. So we're so excited to chat with you today. So glad you guys are here. And as someone who wants to have three kids, it's also really cool to talk to two mamas of three because uh, after my first two years of motherhood, I'm like, wow, it's hard. And when I see moms of two or three or four at the store, I'm just like, ah, how do they do it? So, um, and I, I know you guys are really passionate about helping moms do it. So um, talk to us about why you started Matrescens and what Matrescens stands for and what it's doing in the world. Yeah, we love this question. And it's one of the first questions that we typically get is how do you say it? So you said it right. It's the matrescence. And what does it mean? We picked this word over after mulling over what do we name this space that we want to create? And it's a real word. It was coined by a sociologist and it's supposed to be the maternal form of adolescence. So adolescence, um, is one of those huge tumultuous periods in your life that you learn about and you expect all these changes and you are supported through that. And then the matrescence is supposed to kind of encompass those same tumultuous um, changes that you go through hormonally, mentally, physically, and we aren't truly supported through all of that. Um, there's a big, there's a big lack of support there. Um and so we just love the word. We thought that it was such an encompassing word for the support space that we wanted to create. Um, the idea for the matrescence really started after a personal and professional recognition recognition of the lack of support for mamas to and through motherhood. So um, professionally, I was working in the NICU and seeing those mamas fall through the cracks after that experience. Um, moms with other kiddos with medical diagnosis. Uh, I worked in pediatric oncology. So seeing a lot of different moms, a lot of different experiences and just not having the support they needed because all of that focus shifts. So just like in motherhood, you're kind of nourished and supported through your pregnancy and that support falls off pretty quickly um, after that baby comes. So shedding light on all of those changes and um, after my own personal battle with postpartum anxiety, that's when... I realized it wasn't um, just common. It was best friends and sisters and coworkers and people who were so close to me that had had various experiences that are common, but feel so isolating. So um, I went back to psychiatric nurse practitioner school to buy myself just credibility and time to figure out how to fill that gap. And then I teamed up with Megan here, who is the peanut butter to my jelly and the opposite skill set as me. So she can tell you a little bit about her role in the company. And I, I like that analogy because I think you are the sweet one and I'm like the salty one. So we are um, opposites. And I think that's one of the things that uh, is so successful in our business is we have different skill sets and we bring different expertise to the table. And that's why we're successful there. And then also, through our um, online community and our Instagram account in that community, um, we have different experiences and we have different opinions and we make different choices in motherhood. And that's what we want to celebrate is that, you know, I might be formula feeding and Lauren might be breastfeeding for the rest of her life if she could, because <laughs> she loves it so much. And 
And that's okay. We don't have to make the same choices as our sisters or our friends or other family members or coworkers. Um, There's no way to be a perfect mama, um, but you are the perfect mama to your children and just celebrating that um, we all make different choices that we have different experiences and situations and we need to uplift one another. Yeah. Mm, So powerful. I have full body chills and it's almost like I can feel into like my first the past two years of my life and be like, whoa, it's almost like you don't even want to unpack it once you're through a lot of the hard stuff, but there's so much that encompasses that phase. And when you likened it to adolescence, I mean, what you enter that at 12, 13, and, and then at somewhere along the way, you're, you're an adult in your twenties. And, um, it's a lot, it's a long transition. Um, and I'm so curious with matrescence and, what you guys have learned from your community and, and how robust it is and um, how involved you are with all these different mamas. Like what's the most surprising thing that you guys have learned that women are struggling with? I would say um, there's still a big um, barrier stigma. There's still a lot of shame and needing support. Um, even the mamas that, um, come into our community, into our membership, you know, they've made that choice for them. They've crossed that barrier of like, it's okay to ask for help. I'm going to do this for me. And then there's another wall of telling a friend or telling other people and having that sense of pride. And we just want everyone to know that we all deserve more support. We were, we were, supposed to be doing this in literal villages of women rallying around us. And that is just not how our society is set up today. And we have to look for it in different ways, um, which is the cool thing about the internet and social media. Um, But it also can be a detriment if you're just in this comparison trap of like, oh, I should be doing these Pinterest crafts or I should be um, making organic lunches in this beautiful bento box. Like, there's, there's a lot that people I think are striving for, for the wrong reasons. And just kind of letting down that, um, that super mom stigma, that, yeah. that, that goal that we're. Yeah. And be. recognizing how important your mental and emotional health are in that overall picture. I think there's a lot of light being shed on the mental health conversation. And I love that there's a wave of, um, more knowledge there and that people are leaning into that a little bit. Uh, but just, I think recognizing that everyone deserves this support and there, I I hate that there's still a stigma around it because there are so many, um, relationships and they're so intertwined. Like if you are mentally unwell, it's going to take a toll on your physical health and vice versa. So seeing it as this bigger picture and knowing that, just like if you're navigating um, a heart issue or migraines or anything else that you're seeking treatment for, that it is the, it's on the exact same page. It all goes together and trying to really um, just help people recognize that, that there is, there's no shame in needing that support. And you're going through monumental changes when you go through motherhood and it's, it's okay to ask for help and to need those extra pillars. So fascinating to me because shame and guilt are obviously super low vibrational, not fun feelings or emotions to to have. And I've found myself dancing from or between like, okay, shame and not and giving him too many pouches or 
Um, not like I didn't have the capacity to make dinner for a long time. Like I remember feeling like on the days my husband would go into the city, like warming up a pizza felt hard. And then, and then like feeling shame about that. But then when I would go on weekends with friends and travel and like do something for me, then I would feel bad that like, I'm the mom that leaves my kid and doesn't feel bad when I do like, there are just so many emotions about how you should. And I have friends that have never had a babysitter in two years outside of like maybe their own mom. And I have friends that their kids have been going to daycare for since 10 weeks. And I've kind of been through on both sides. Like we've tried daycare, we've tried babysitters. I've left town and there's just no, like you said, there's no perfect way to do it. And so it's this psychological trip um, that is hard to uh, reckon with because the demands of being a mom, like, I think that's one of the things that I'm curious about with how you guys support women and how women find you because, um, you know, sometimes you just want to take a shower and that's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the ambivalence of motherhood is real and the power of, and is just that it's powerful to recognize that you are grateful and you love being a mom, but it's okay to want to go on a weekend away trip with your friends. There's nothing wrong with that. You shouldn't feel guilt or shame about that. Um, it's, it's, it is wild because there's sometimes where I'm like, go to sleep. And then I lay in my bed and look at pictures and videos of them for an hour. And I'm like, mother, it is crazy. Um, but it's awesome. And that's, that is one thing that you keep working through and just reminding yourself that, um, Supporting yourself is supporting them. And would you want your daughter in 30 years to not go on trips with her friends? No. So show her that that's okay. So modeling healthy behaviors, whether that's taking care of your mental health or your physical health or doing the girls trips and the self-care is, is really cool tool that they see you doing. And um, I think that's an important message for working moms too, is that they, they eventually will appreciate you, um, the hard work that you put in and they will recognize that one day. And so it might be hard when they're crying at drop off, but, um, it comes full circle. Yeah. The, the tools and the resources and the ways that we choose to support women in the app and in our community are exactly what we wish we would have had or things we continue to use that help us lots of conversations with other women who have different experiences than us. And, coming together and um, using maternal experts if they're outside of our lane of expertise and putting them all under one umbrella. Because like we talked about earlier, the noise of the internet and social media, it can be a really good thing, but it can also be debilitating when you're looking for support in this realm. And so um, we are so proud of the community that we've built because it is exactly that. And it helps you kind of drown out the noise and look inward. We never want to have opinions in our community or our resources. It really is just expert driven guidance and using that intuition that I feel like we've kind of lost a little bit because there are so many opinions. We forgot how to make just informed, intuitive decisions in motherhood. Like our moms and grandmas and generations before us didn't didn't have all these additional layers of education. Um, and I think, you know, educating yourself and then making the decision 
that's best for you. Um, so the expert resources uh, we're really proud of. We've teamed up with other maternal experts, whether that's lactation consultants, pelvic floor therapists, um, pediatricians, all of these people who have dedicated their lives to serving women. Um, so there's a library of resources in there. And then another thing that we are doing that we think is so helpful helpful for women are um, stress reduction and mindfulness meditations and activities that are short and tailored to mamas. So we're not asking you to, you know, go find a quiet corner for an hour so that you can do this deep dive meditation. I hope you find time for that. Um, but they are short, like, you know, you're in the car line, pulling your hair out. You're in the workroom trying to pump before a big meeting. You're nursing your baby in the middle of the night, short, attainable exercises, um, with mama in mind. So those are a couple of ways that we support women are in our community is to help kind of make those lifestyle shifts and find time for these things to really support your mental and emotional health. And also like Megan said, set those, set those examples for your kiddos because, um, mentally healthy child and family starts with mama. Mm, it really does. And it's, um, like as you were describing the various examples of what motherhood can look like, it is just, there's so many um, aspects to it. And again, whether you're working or you are, you never want to work again, but you also don't want to be with your kid all day. Like there's that level of it, of it too. Like my husband says to me all the time, he's like, I know you love work, but if you didn't, and like, I don't think you would want to be with him all day, like you, because you, you just need a, a moment, even if it's just to like go on a jog or whatever. And, and, and I can kind of have the power of choice, which right now for me is, is really a luxury and, and hard because you're like, oh, I'm choosing my child's reality. I don't have like a boss telling me to, to choose that. And that that's a whole, whole other layer. But I think what you created is a space to be seen and heard in the hardness and the challenge and have resources if you need them. And one of the resources I'm really curious about is, um, and you guys suggested, like we, we go into this is, um, PMADS, which is the perinatal mood and anxiety disorder. And go before I was even pregnant, I had heard of postpartum, um, depression or postpartum anxiety and depression. Um, and I feel like it was even not that long ago that anxiety was kind of added in. Um, and thankfully people on Instagram shared their stories about intrusive thoughts. So I sort of had a little bit of an inkling that that could happen, but I, it wasn't until I was pregnant that I was even tipped off to like the fact that it could be throughout pregnancy or different parts of pregnancy. And I looked into a, a little bit of the neuroscience and I know that like your brain's literally disconnecting some old synapses and reconnecting new ones, which is like, wild. So it's like, we're literally becoming new people to the point of the matrescence. Uh, <laughs> and so I'd love to, for you guys to talk about PMADS, like PMADS 101, um, for listeners who maybe have never heard of it. And then I also want to kind of talk about, um, segue into postpartum, uh, depression, anxiety, and the difference between the two. Yeah, it's a really interesting conversation. And I feel like luckily the last few years, the term has changed from postpartum depression to PMADS or postpartum mood and anxiety disorders to encompass 
all these various manifestations of how it can show up. And that's exactly where I got stuck in the undertow of postpartum anxiety because it didn't present in this black and white box of depression. Um, I was, I just didn't fit into that. So I, I was completely blindsided by how mine showed up, which was completely on the anxiety side of it. And those intrusive thoughts that got really sticky and would lead to that sleep deprivation cycle, because I would stay up in the middle of the night, trying to validate what I was thinking without saying it out loud, because it sounded crazy. And I just got stuck in this undertow of sleep deprivation and debilitating anxiety for almost a year after the birth of my second. And Um, I love that there's being more light shed on how it can show up. Um, because for so long it was, we talked so much about postpartum depression, the scales, that's kind of what it captures. If you, if you get the, um, Edinburgh depression scale at your six week checkup or have that conversation. And so, um, yeah, I just, I think that it is such a disservice to moms to have this lack of support and this lack of conversation And honestly, this lack of like candor and transparency around how this can all show up and how common it is. I mean, intrusive thoughts are 70 to 100% of women experience them. And it just really, it differentiates from true anxiety when it starts to really debilitate your everyday life. So Mm -hmm. everyone has them. If they just kind of come and go and you're like, wow, that was a weird thought not those are intrusive thoughts, but if they're getting really sticky and you're finding yourself spending time looking things up or writing down lists or just spending time ruminating on those thoughts, um, that's kind of when you start to think, okay, this might be more, um, than just a little bit of normal worry. Like you said, the maternal brain completely changes through pregnancy and you become this new person and you have these new reactions to worries, whether they're real or you're making them up in your head. Um, So knowing how to differentiate those and how to have those conversations and knowing how common they are is so important and exactly why we created this space because no one wants to go on the internet and tell their mother-in-law or their coworker these crazy thoughts that they're having. So we're like, what if there was not only a safe space to talk about this, but also resources from mental health professionals or other maternal experts to help you guide you through the fog of that experience. Mm -hmm. Because in the moment, it's really hard to ask for help because you're not really sure where to turn. And I think that's where, where I got lost. (laughs) Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. And I would just add that it is really important in one of our favorite, um, and most downloaded resources. It's free on our blog. You can go check it out. It's um, advocating for yourself at that six week, six week checkup. Because we know our current system isn't ideal. You're typically only getting this one appointment postpartum. You may or may not get the screening. The screening is really looking for postpartum depression and not maybe these other ways like anxiety and OCD that it can present. So um, in this free download, it encourages you to keep a mood journal for a couple weeks. Cause I know where I kind of fell at fault was I was really excited to go to my checkup. It was like a reason to get out of the house, whatever. So I was having a good day. So when she asked me that question that day in that moment, I was great, but it wasn't the bigger picture of what's been going on in the past six weeks. So really keeping that journal and it is hard to say some of these things out loud or ask for help. So if you need to print it out and just hand it to them and let them guide you from there, um, we encourage you to do that. So definitely love that, um, that resource. Cause 
you know, it can be geared towards a really physical appointment because that is really the OB's job is to make sure you're healing physically, but also it's a great first place to start if you do need some extra support, um, with your mental health. So check that out on, on the blog and maybe we can put that in the show notes. I was going to say, I will put that like right at the top of the, um, links that we have, um, for you guys, because I love that. And what it's, it's making me think of so many things, but, um, I had a very traumatic birth. And then, um, the last thing my doctor said to me before I left the hospital was, um, you know, you're going to pass, you know, blood and it could be cloudy, but as long as it's not the size of your fist, like you're fine. And then while I was giving my son a bath by myself, I passed like this giant clot. Luckily my husband was home and to go back to the hospital and it was one week or two weeks before my six week or something. And, um, or maybe it was earlier, but anyway, when I went back, I just felt like there was no care. There was no check-in. And so my sixth week, I thought, okay, they're going to, they're going to ask. And similarly, I was having a good day. Didn't ask anything. And then I also thought to myself later, well, I would have said everything's fine. And for me, I was having intrusive <clears throat> thoughts and pretty early into them. I, I shared with my husband, like, what is this? And I, I remember looking at him and seeing his like love and concern and compassion and cluelessness on what to do because how, how could he? Right. So I knew, okay, this is sort of on me to learn, but, and luckily I had some capacity to do that. If I had been working nine to five by that point, I don't know how, but I love, love, love that you guys have that resource. And I also love that you shared you should keep a mood journal for a while because it is such a roller coaster, but you could look back for trends. And what breaks my heart is, I don't know if you guys followed that Duxbury case in um, New England, but she had been keeping pretty copious notes uh, about her mood. And I know she had been looking for help. And so I think it's just like really advocating for yourself and um, staying attuned to what you need is, um, is huge. And is there anything that you guys, I think awareness is number one, right? Like, what is this? Is this normal? This is what it can look like. This is how it can present. Um, is there anything else that you guys find or have looked into or any of your experts in your, in your wheelhouse have shared is, is like the most supportive thing when it comes to sort of, I don't want to say crawling out of it, but like moving through it. Um, Cause it doesn't seem like there's like a timeline. I've heard that Women have been in, um, you know, mental health challenges after baby for up to seven years and, you know, crazy stories. So what do you guys find is the most supportive thing someone could do, um, whether that's physically or logistically in their schedule or with their health to support? Yeah, I think um, we preach a lot kind of empowering your support system and educating them beforehand, having identifying and having that person you're going to go to if something doesn't feel right and letting them know ahead of time, whether it's a sister, a coworker, a friend, a neighbor, your mom, um, either having like a, a word that you, you know, a, a word that signifies like I'm really struggling or a way to, um, allow, allow them to understand how to approach that because it is a vulnerable conversation. And like you said, um, if it is like your mom or your mother-in-law or someone that, that conversation is hard to have because it, it hasn't been talked about a ton in the generations before us. And so sometimes it feels a little taboo or they don't understand it. So I think empowering your support system, your spouse, your family, 
on how to have that conversation and um, to highlight another resource. That's where that one was born from is this need to educate and empower those around you and give them permission to have those conversations and to be that person for you so that they know how to guide you because there's so many resources that exist, but it's so hard to tease out what you might need in that moment. And you're asking kind of what that most effective step is. It's a hard question because it's different for everyone and depends if you're having physical lingering pain and that's having a toll on your relationship because you're eight months out and you still have physical pain and sex is not, doesn't feel good. And, um, or it's, you know, the entire other end of the spectrum where you had this traumatic birth experience or your baby was in the NICU and you weren't able to process through that. And now those mental health issues are cropping up because of that trauma that you never were able to process. So I think if I had to pick something, um, lean into a support group or a therapist, if there's something that there is a trigger or there's something, you know, is the foundation of the issue that you're having. Um, I think everyone could use therapy. I think there's something so important about having that neutral sounding board and not necessarily someone that's going to have an opinion or that's going to want to tell their story or why their situation was worse or not as bad and being able to really work through that and process what happened, um, I think would be my, my number one. And just knowing the people that exist and, um, having that kind of laid out before you're in the thick of it, which I know is hard. Yeah. We like to encourage, um, our community. If you have a birth plan, create that postpartum plan too. maybe look on in advance, have some therapists in your area ready. Like wait lists are real. Like it's hard to get support, um, with those specialists. So kind of have them outlined. So when you are like, okay, like let's, let's dive a little deeper. Um, you're not Googling, you already know where to go and your partner can help you, um, or whoever that support system is can help you kind of identify who you're going to reach out to packing that toolkit in advance, knowing what works for you. Is it movement? Is it nutrition? Is it, um, a mix of all of these things with meditation and mindfulness and knowing like, okay, these things kind of help me get back to a good baseline. And then when you're in the thick of it, you already have those tools. It's like muscle memory. You can reach for them. And then if you're like, Hey, these aren't working anymore. These basic like lifestyle adjustments aren't working. I need to go either to therapy or a medication or whatever it is on the spectrum, but kind of knowing like the tools that help you when you're just like right there, like floating and then, um, being able to recognize when you need to move on from that. Or if you can't, maybe someone that's close to you in your life can, can kind of bring that up that maybe we should look at these other options. I love the postpartum plan. I think that's really a great suggestion. And one of the things that um, I think was hard for me to grasp, especially before you go through it, is like my husband was like the first two weeks, you're like, how's your mental space or how's your head space? But like in the first two weeks, I was still in fight or flight. Like you're still like coming off of like the fact that you just gave birth and however that went down. And for me, it wasn't till like, it's almost like you come up for air and you're like, oh, this is my life now. I'm a mom. I'm in charge of a child, baby. They need me. I'm leaking everywhere. Like what, you know, and, and then the support stops. And I always say the best gift my stepmom has ever given me is she showed up at eight weeks postpartum and said, I'm here for a week, do whatever you want. Like I'm here. And I was like, what a great time. Like I would have never known that that was such a, t- cause everyone's like, 
not everyone, but if you ask for support and they, they do want to come right when the baby's born and da, da, da. But then at that like six week, you're just like, whoa, there's this tiny baby that is still really um, a lot of, of work. Um, and I think the sleep deprivation thing is, is something that um, I think, Megan, you said, what's the one thing that's really going to be the thing for you? And, you know, my husband is the nine to five, you know, breadwinner. So I would always say, I'm going to get up in the middle of the night. And then there came a point where I was like, Hey, you gotta, you gotta do this. Um, do you guys have any, um, resources or, or conversations around navigating marriage, um, post baby? Because I feel like that, um, whether you're in, you know, legally married or you're in some sort of a partnership, like that dynamic changes. And when I really think about it from his perspective, I'm like, okay, well, I'm becoming a new person. Right. And now he has to be with this new person plus this new being in our household. It's a lot. I mean, what is the conversation around that look like in your community? So much. I I love that you're bringing this up and that what a cool gift. Um, from your stepmom, it actually made me kind of emotional because it's like, it's true. Like I remember like, you know, your partner goes back to work, their life is seemingly normal all of a sudden, like this text and stuff starts dwindling off and you're like, what is, what do I do? Um, it's a, it's an interesting time. So, um, we do have resources, but I will also call out, um, if you read, I'm going to butcher the name, but it's marriage and the modern dilemma by Molly Millwood, Google Molly Millwood, her book, incredible. I've never like shook my head more and felt more validated than reading that book because I, um, let a lot of like resentment brew of like, you're getting to do this and my life looks so different. And, um, fair play by Eve Rodsky is another good one of like kind of helping divide up the, the, the physical tasks of washing bottles or pump parts and all of those things, baby care, but also the mental load of the pediatrician appointments, the, the daycares, the sick days, the needing new clothes, that there's so much that comes with it that you, you can't possibly understand all that until you're in the thick of it. So, um, we have done some workshops with some therapists to kind of unpack like your relationships and friendships, and, um, they're all going to look different and whether that's setting boundaries or communication, um, honestly is just one of the most important things, but also having the community, the skills to be able to communicate it effectively and not just placing blame or, um, starting an argument is, is, can, can be challenging. Yeah. And I think too, taking a look inward at your parenting style and, you know, having those conversations with your partner or your spouse, because I think a lot of times, I know a lot of conversations I've had around this are you want your spouse or your partner to read your mind and you want them to just know when and how to help. And really men didn't just, they didn't have the same experience and they don't have that maternal connection. And so they have a hard time with the confidence piece. I think that they, they want to help and they want to do certain things, but then you want it done a certain way. And when they do it, it wasn't up to your standards. So then their confidence is chipped at, and then they just stop helping with that task. And that happens over and over and over again. And so then the women are left with this huge physical and mental load of all of these small tasks 
when maybe you need to relinquish some of that control and allow them to help you with those things or ask them specifically with something that they might not feel like you want them to help with, but you're in your head, you want them to read your mind and like do this thing. Mm. So I think a lot of it is like Megan said, the communication piece, understanding each other's communication styles. Um, we've done a, an activity on finding your love language, which um, I don't know if you've heard of that book, like the five love languages, it's pretty popular, but I think revisiting that after you become a parent is interesting mm-hmm. because they change. Um, and so knowing you and your partner's love language and how they want to communicate that love, um, is also helpful and important in that season because it does, it does change. Like you said, you're a new person. So there's new dynamics in your relationship and, it is a huge stressor, but it's also this opportunity to become closer and to learn a lot about each other. Absolutely. I love that you said that they change because, um, I would have never thought my husband was a physical touch, like love language pre baby. And then like, you know, three months into having our son, he was like, you don't hug me anymore. You don't like give me attention anymore. I'm like, I'm hugging a baby all day. Like, <laughs> it's, you know, it's a lot. Um, and, and I think it's something to be aware of. And I love that that's part of um, your conversation because when you are going through that resentment phase of they're not reading my mind or they're not helping me the way I need to be helped. And sometimes you can't even know how you want to be helped. Um, it's also hard to then like go on a date night and have fun <laughs> because there's a lot of other things Um yeah, dynamics at play. And uh, I feel like the conversation, I'm so glad the conversation is around women's mental health and that there are spaces like you guys for women to come to and feel seen and heard. But I also love that part of what you're encompassing is this other aspect of um, the marriage, because that was probably my biggest surprise. It's like, whoa, this is a huge change. And the other kind of part that I'm curious about is, and I don't know what your individual experiences were and also um, in your community, but seeing my son become like a little boy, and he also looks a lot like I did, is like bringing up a whole other level of like inner child healing in me and like seeing and remembering things that I didn't realize I remembered and like it's not like my parents did anything wrong intentionally, but then having those sort of like inner child healing moments, um, that's been radical too. It's like, that's a whole other layer on the table that you're moving through. That's going to affect your emotions because you're longing for either what you didn't have or how it was. So, um, yeah. What, what are your thoughts around that level of, of emotion? <laughs> Yeah, I think that it's really cool that there's more conversation around that as well. And that, you know, you could have been brought up in a really loving and beautiful household or not, and still have some healing and trauma and experiences around that that need to be processed through, which is another reason it goes back to I think everyone needs a therapeutic space, whether that's with a therapist or that's with a, you know, what whatever someone sees as that healing person. Um, for me that uh, a psychotherapist is so helpful to help unpack that and to get to those foundational feelings that you're having around that and the way that you're responding. And if you're recognizing that being able to 
process through some of those experiences um, is just so valuable. And it's interesting too, because it's not just your experience. You have to also like take in consideration of your partner's experience too, right? So you might be like, don't ever raise your voice because that's really triggering from your childhood where they're like, didn't have that experience. So they might parent different in those ways. And it's, it's interesting to kind of, you got to kind of blend those and respect um, what you're each going through, or maybe you lost a parent and it's, it's hard and you, you don't realize how much you miss them or things, you know, you can't call them and tell them about this experience because they're no longer with us. So it it is, it's, it's a motherhood is it's wild and it will bring up things that you, yeah, like you never knew were under the surface. And that is that Megan just literally talked about a personal experience of mine that I never knew would crop up in my marriage and my relationship and my parenting style. And it was exactly that is like feeling like I want my husband to help me parent and like be an active, you know, involved in the discipline. But then when he disciplines, I want him to do it my way. And I want it to be really calm, you know, and it was super triggering and still is when he parents certain ways or raises his voice or does things that, that bring up that inner child, um, that trauma of my childhood. And then it takes a toll on your relationship because then he's like, I I feel like I can't do anything right. And you're walking on eggshells and it's just, yeah. Another layer of this conversation is understanding how that can impact, um, decades later. It's, it's very interesting. I just love that you guys are a space for, it sounds like all of it, because like, even if you think about the dialogue around marriage in our society and granted, there are, there's great conversation around conscious partnering now. But when I think about even, I got engaged four and a half years ago, like it was like, where's the wedding? And, you know, it's all about the love story and, you know, the planning and the honeymoon, and then you're going to have kids and no, there's like this whole other dynamic of how are you going to parent together? And I'm so grateful that, you know, luckily I chose well, and it's, it's working out. It's still not without challenge, but, um, like that should be such a big conversation because you're really like a, I mean, it's like a business partnership in so many ways. Um, there's a lot of big decisions to be made. And I think that that's also hard too, because my husband is, will always be like, you know, I'm going to support whatever you say. And I'm like, I don't want to make the decision or like, (laughs) what are you thinking? It's just odd. So there's so many layers to it. Um, and I just love that you guys are having these conversations. Um, and I'm, I'm curious to kind of segue, I'm sure we'll circle back to all of it, but, um, you know, we're connected because Olivia Wagner, who works with you guys, um, was like, you got to check them out that they're great. Like they're just great people and doing great things. Um, she's obviously involved with you guys from a hormone health perspective, because on top of all of the things we've discussed (laughs) today, there's also the thing called your body that's sweating on and off and losing hair and growing new hair. And so many, (laughs) so many things that, um, that change. And so I would love to know a little bit more about how you guys address that conversation. And if it's more on the, like actual hormonal level, or if it's more body image based or what kind of things you guys are seeing in, in your uh, community around that. It's all over the board. Right. (laughs) And it keeps cropping up. I mean, I'm two and a half, almost three years postpartum from my last, and I'm still like, 
I, I said uh-huh. the other day, my best friend, she just had a baby. She's like, oh my gosh, I'm sweating through my pajamas. It's crazy. I'm like, yeah, I still do that. And she was like, wait, what? And I'm like, wait, wait, that's not normal. Like, don't, I didn't mean to scare you. You're not going to do that for three years, but like, I got to fix some stuff. Like, it's crazy. You have to constantly, it's, it's uh, there's no like in game. You didn't just conquer it. It's like, you got to just keep working through things and whether that's lifestyle or nutrition, which we love working with new, um, Olivia on like all of her nutrition and stress tips and, um, yeah, there's a lot to take into consideration and, um, yeah, your body changes. And I think, you know, there is a lot of body positivity out there. And then it's hard when you're like, wait, but I'm struggling to just say like, I am proud of my body, but does that mean I love it? Like, can we just, maybe, maybe you're a neutral face of like, I have a body, I have thighs, I have this stomach. Like it, it's, it's so ever evolving and something that we're both working through constantly. Yeah. So many moving pieces. And like we talked about earlier, just understanding how interrelated it all is, um, mm-hmm. your neurotransmitters, your hormones, your gut health, all of it is this one big picture that can be super overwhelming when you're like, Oh my God, like I can't even, you know, take a shower in peace right now. How am I supposed to address all of these pillars of like health and wellness. It's small incremental changes and it's not going to be a one-time quick fix. I mean, you just went through this life-changing monumental transformation from hormones, mental health, physical health, your body, your relationships. There's so many pieces that are encompassed in the big picture of mental health um, that you can't, you can't look at it like that because it seems like this insurmountable task that you're not going to fix. It's these small lifestyle changes and knowing what works for you and what you're going to focus on and knowing that it's going to look different in motherhood, your movement, what exercise means to you, um, hormones and how to address those things, lifestyle, um, shifts and nutrition shifts you can make. So knowing that it's not all this there's not one answer and we're all all these unique individuals with unique circumstances. And you're going to need maybe a little piece of some of these, and you're going to work through this piece first, and then that's going to become habit. And then you're going to move on to the next piece. It's um, it can seem very overwhelming, but it is so beautiful to be able to make, choose those choices and to make those changes and to start to feel better. And um, like Megan said, it's, it's ever evolving. We're not, we're not ever going to have all the answers in the moment. Yeah. And I would say, um, start with the basics, go back to sleep and nutrition and basic movement before you jump to like cold plunging or something, you know, or like a a green juice every day, like great, but there's probably a lot of other things you can do first. And then, and like Lauren said, you can build upon that, but don't, uh, don't get caught up in one wellness trend or the other, go back to the basics and start there. And, um, you'll start to see some changes that you can build upon. It's like, I wonder if there's ever, there was ever a time in the history of humanity that this was easy. <laughs> I don't <Or> think so. <laughs> yeah. If you could pick a decade to live in, I I'm mean, fairly yeah, I confident it's just hard and it's <laughs> beautiful and so joyful and such a fun chapter, but damn, it's hard mm-hmm. and that's okay. And, um, you will get through it and you will heal and you'll have good days and bad days and ebbs and flows and such is motherhood in life. Yeah. Such is motherhood. It's, um, and I think friends and, you know, the reason you guys have done this to bring women together in community is so key for all of it, because, um, like I think about, uh, 
I used to always say, oh, I'll just get up early once I have a baby and I'll still journal and I'll have coffee and I'll do my morning routine. And I don't think it was, my son was probably 13 months old when I finally felt like I had the energetic capacity to wake up before him. Otherwise I would just wake up whenever he woke me up because, um, I was just so exhausted. I'm like, sleep's going to be the best thing for me. And, you know, granted my husband's still getting up at five and doing his workout. I'm like, I, I don't have that capacity. And, um, it was a really nourishing thing, but then what's, I mean, it, it just comes in waves. I promise I'm going into a question, but after my, I would say between year one to like 18 months, I felt like amazing. And then from 18 months to two, I was like, oh, this is interesting. Things are harder. Almost like I gained weight. I had stopped breastfeeding at one or 11 months, but it was like, I was gaining some weight back. My hormones started to feel a little wonky. So it went like, not well, great, not so great. And, um, So I'm wondering, like, when do people find you and how long do they hang out in your community? Because I'm, I, I also experienced, um, in February, we were traveling in New Zealand. We're doing a lot of things where we were like up high or on a bridge or up on like a glass floor, just a lot of stuff that was like testing, like height fears. And I started having these dreams that my son was falling off of things and like going back to like almost like postpartum anxiety mindset And so I'm like, whoa, like, this is not this, like, oh, it just happened for six weeks and then it was better. Um, It's still, it's still coming and going. So I'm so curious. Oh, yeah. Yeah. um, I think it's so important to break out of this, like, standardized care of what we think it should look like or what it, like, could typically look like. You know, we have that six-week appointment and we talk about the baby blues are over after two weeks and we talk about the end of the perinatal period. It's like, once you're postpartum, you're kind of always postpartum. You're going through all of these changes hormonally, um, all the changes like we've talked about. Um, I think it's really important to understand that life stressors, certain triggers, weaning from breastfeeding, um, anything going on with your hormones or your physical, there's so many things that if you're kind of just staying afloat in that season that can pull you back down, uh, to struggling. If you struggled with postpartum anxiety or, and depression, uh, at the, you know, after the birth, or you didn't like it could crop up when you're going through these other changes. And I think one that we've had a lot of, um, big conversations around and a lot of people like, Oh my God, why was I never told this was the weaning from breastfeeding. And I don't know if that lines up with when you were feeling a little off, but that's something that it's almost like you're going through the birth experience. Again, you're going through all these hormonal changes, the emotional toll it takes to make that decision. Are you ready? Are they ready? Are you doing it because you have to go back to work and you're not making enough because your pump isn't out of, you know, there's so many stressors around that. And then the hormonal physical changes, the weight fluctuations, um, that's, their time that it can really kind of rear its ugly head and knowing that and being prepared for that, I think, uh, is key. Mm, thank you for that. It's, it is so wild. I love that. You're like, yeah, you're kind of always postpartum. Um, and then you add in the layer of, okay, wanting to have another, like what was the decision for both of you to be? Cause it sounds like both of you guys have kids pretty boom, boom, boom. Um, <laughs> yeah. What, I mean, I I've been trying for a year now, so in theory, I could easily have another one could have if it was the, the plan, but yeah. 
Yeah. Um, obviously want to, um, acknowledge that everyone's journey is different. And I know people like yourselves, you know, would love you, you can plan it out. Um, you can't plan it out. Um, I, um, was, uh, blessed with my second surprisingly. Um, you, you can definitely get pregnant when you're breastfeeding and haven't had a cycle. Um, so my two are, are close together. So I didn't make that conscious decision. And now of course I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, they're besties and, um, it had every gap has challenges and benefits and you, you, there's no, just like the first time there's no perfect time, right? You're always going to be up for a promotion at work, or you always want to take this big trip, or maybe you want to, there's so many just life factors that just never make it, make it perfect. So, um, if you want to grow your family, you know, I hope that you can, and that you're, you're blessed with that opportunity, but I think it's just, it's just so hard to to know when, when to make that, because it's funny when you think you like got it figured out at 12 months, you know, you're probably like, yep, we're ready. Yep. And then you're like, Wait, now they're going like, is there an 18 month sleep regression? Like what the heck's going on? Yeah. Now I don't want a second one. It's, it's, it's crazy. You just never know. Like, and, um, it's, it's just hard. Parenting just changes to different, different areas of hard. I don't know if that yeah. answers the question, but yeah, it's, uh, it's funny how intuitively you could feel ready. Right. I was like, okay, let's start trying. And then if it, that when it, hasn't worked out yet. My husband and I are like, Oh my God, we're so glad. Like he's still not sleeping through the night. You know, he's almost two, like, this is crazy. Um, and there's people who intuitively or not consciously it happens. It's like, Oh, this was the plan. So I think there's also that element of like trust and like, just kind of listening to your intuition, but trusting that you're kind of, we're super spiritual on this podcast, but like co-creating and seeing what, you know, what's, uh, what your soul might've chose before you can came here. Um, so anyway, I, I just find it, uh, heroic to have three (laughs) close together and, um, and also be in a business partnership and be building something that's so life-giving to other mamas. Um, and I'm curious, like what you guys see as like the big, like future for the matrescence and where you want to go and what you're working so hard to, to continue to build. Oh man. Loaded question. I love it. No one's ever asked us that outside because we have big dreams. Yeah. We want to change the world. I mean, we, you know, business startup in a true sense has been a total roller coaster. It is, so much work and we've had really high highs and really low lows. And we always go back to the why, why we started this, why we're so passionate about it. What drove my crazy butt back to school with three kids to figure out how to make it better. Like moms deserve better. They deserve more support. Um, I think that we could completely change the trajectory of not only the maternal mental health crisis, but the pediatric mental health crisis. If we have mentally healthy mamas, that's just going to just going to help the um, pediatric mental health crisis and learning those healthy coping mechanisms and all of the resources that exist and destigmatizing, talking about it, talk to your kids about their feelings, talk to your family about your feelings, name them, work through them. Um, just making these tools and conversations more normal so that we can get the support that we need. We want to be able to serve all mamas and really change the narrative around mental health and the support. Yeah. So from a business standpoint, we'd love to be 
the first thing you think of when you put on your registry and um, the first thing you're going to bring to a sprinkle or to a baby shower um, to support your loved ones is, is a gift card um, and our resources. And we'd love to start um, introducing more, a deeper layer of support um, with Lauren's education and growing that network and um, just supporting mamas on every end of the spectrum, whether it's just needing some guided meditations and validation and connection, or if that's needing um, some therapy and maybe medication. So really helping um, everyone. Beautiful. It's, uh, it's so powerful what you're doing. I think you're Instagram following and um, interactions and engagement is such a good um, example of, of how powerful you guys are and what you've created. And so um, I'm grateful we've gotten to, to download here because there's a lot um, and you guys have so many amazing resources um, on it all. Um, before we close out, I would love to know your favorite advice to give to um, either a first-time mom or a struggling mama that you find yourself saying to friends or to people in the community. I'm nervous to go let you go first because I feel like you're going to steal mine. <laughs> uh, one of the best pieces of advice that I received, and we talk about this um, on our account, is figuring out which balls are plastic and which balls are glass. Um, like we said at the very beginning, you can't be perfect. Um, things are going to drop. Um, your house might be messy. Um, you might not have the same stylish wardrobe that you had, like something's got to go. And so you have to decide, um, individually for you, which balls are glass and which ones are plastic and which ones you're going to let drop and it's fine and which ones you're going to keep in the air. So, um, and knowing that that can change, you know, I thought I was going to do, I did with my first organic purees and all these things. And my third was literally eating McDonald's fries off the backseat of my car. And it was fine. They're all loved and healthy and great. Um, so they change and you have to decide um, that. And it's a, like an evolution like, like others. So yeah, I love that. Um, we kind of already touched on it in the beginning, but I think the best advice to give new mamas is coming back to your intuition as a mama and drowning out the noise of all the opinions and trying to keep up with the highlight reels and only investing in that baby, give yourself permission to invest in yourself and show up as the best version of you in this season. Um, and learn to use that maternal instinct. It's strong and it can be so drowned out by the expectations of others or what you think you should be doing. Let go of the word should, um, and just educate yourself, um, and make those intuitive maternal instinct choices, um, based on you and your family and your values, um, and not everyone else's. Such a good reminder because it's, it's very easy to get caught up in what everyone else is doing and, For sure. and kids. um, talk to us about what, um, people could currently enroll in maybe what links we're going to put in besides the guide. Um, if you guys have anything coming up that you want people to look out for or join, um, yeah, I think <clears throat> you guys are really excited about. Yes. So definitely follow along. Um, we're mainly on Instagram at the matrescence, um, or our website, be sure to visit that themetrescence.com and sign up for our newsletter. But we are releasing an upgraded version of our app and membership in May, depending on when this airs. So be on the lookout for that. It's going to be just jam packed with so many resources to help, 
um, with so many different aspects of parenting and motherhood, like we've talked about on um, this episode today. So we would love to support you no matter what stage you're in. And we are just so grateful for women like you supporting us and giving us this platform to educate and tell our stories and um, yeah, come say hi. Yay. Well, all the links will be uh, in the show notes. They can find you. And thank you again for all the wisdom, all the support. I feel like I received healing just talking to you guys. So um, thank you. And I'm also going to link those books because those sound like great recs. So um, just for people listening, they're in the show notes. And um, I hope that people go follow you guys um, and stay tuned for the big drop. Thanks, guys.